0: Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. I'm Eugenia Cole, Head of Sustainable Investing, and on this episode of the podcast, we dive into the topic of climate change. Joining me today for this conversation, I'm glad to welcome John Capetta, Head of Private Banking at 91. So, John, we know that numbers don't lie, and numbers will help with painting a better picture of the scale and urgency of the climate change issue we are dealing with. Help us understand where we stand today with some facts in simple stats and numbers.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Eugenia, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start with the big number. And what is that big number? Is $2.4 trillion a big number? Absolutely. That's how much needs to be spent per annum until 2035 to achieve the one and a half degree scenario, according to the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. What is the IPCC? It's basically a whole bunch of scientists that have worked with the United Nations. $2.4 trillion per annum until 2035. Another big number that we just saw, and it was a relief to actually see, U.S. $2 trillion. That's how much the Biden administration has put forward for the infrastructure plan. Obviously, it has to go through some votes. It has to go through the House. But at least that's a step in the right direction. And what's even more encouraging is that President Biden views this as simply a starting point. Another number, U.S. $300 $300 billion. That's how much the global automakers are planning to spend in the next five to 10 years with regards to electric vehicle technology. And last but not least, the good news 64%. What is 64%? Well, that's the number of global emissions now covered by the net zero announcements. These commitments have come from China, European Union, United States. Canada, Singapore, and elsewhere.
0: Wow, 2.4 trillion. That's a massive amount. It's encouraging to hear of the commitments that are being made, as you mentioned. And there are many governments and companies that have pledged to be net zero within a certain timeline. Can you break this down for us? And what does net zero actually mean?
1: Absolutely. And I think this is what sort of encourages us in terms of the long-term investment opportunity when it does come to climate change and decarbonization because you look at where these uh, targets are set. China targets net zero by 2060. United States, European Union, and Singapore targeting 2050. If you look at the companies, one in five of the world's 2,000 largest publicly listed companies have now committed to a net zero emissions target to help tackle climate change. Put simply, net zero refers to the balance between the amount of greenhouse gases produced and the amount removed from the atmosphere we reach net zero when the amount we add is no more than the amount taken away so there's three basic steps to becoming carbon neutral we calculate our carbon emissions and other greenhouse gases from our activities we reduce emissions wherever possible through increased efficiencies and balance the remainder by purchasing carbon offsets at 91 We are committed to the principles of what we like to call time, T-I-M-E, transparency, impact, measurement, engagement. We want to be transparent with our investors. We want to have impact. We want to have measurement in terms of what is our carbon footprint, what are we doing about it, and more importantly, we also want to be able to engage with our clients and our customers. You know, I don't want to sound like you know, a gloom and doom type of person, but I know a well-known metaphor that we use often, especially when it comes to investing and finances, you hear a lot about you know, the tip of the iceberg. But if governments and corporations don't come together to tackle climate change, Eugenia, we, maybe not us, but maybe future generations might not have any icebergs left. You know, it's great to see these pledges of hundreds of billions of dollars and potentially trillions of dollars to become carbon neutral, but that's only ink on paper. I believe the public, the consumers, will play a significant role to make sure our governments and our corporations live up to their promises. Let me throw a question back to you if you don't mind. What is standard charted? doing in con- with regards to contributing towards net zero?
0: Well, as a bank, we have continued to deliver sustainable finance solutions where they are needed the most across emerging markets. This has included mobilizing $2.4 billion towards sustainable infrastructure and $18.4 billion for clean technology. Since 2018, We have pledged to align the emissions from our financing of clients to the Paris Agreement goals and are now working on our detailed plan to meet the higher ambition of net zero by 2050. We are also playing our role in helping our clients with their net zero ambitions through providing thought leadership. Our latest study, Zeronomics, looks into the financing of a net zero world and we surveyed the senior leadership of about 250 large companies and 100 investment specialists between September and October last year. What's interesting is that we found that more than half of companies are not transitioning fast enough, leaving them in danger of missing the Paris Agreement targets of net zero emissions by 2050. A lack of finance is seen as the biggest barrier to progress, 85% of companies need medium or high levels of investments to transition to net zero. And carbon-intensive industries and companies based in emerging markets are struggling the most with the transition. Most companies are also delaying transition because they do not feel they are currently equipped to meet the target. Some like 59% said that they need extensive organizational change before tackling net zero. So we are committed to working closely with our clients on their net zero journeys so that we can help enable a just transition across emerging markets. So let's talk about another concept, John, when it comes to climate. What are scope one, two, and three emissions all about?
1: Great question. Because going forward, scope three is going to become more mainstream. A large percentage of companies today are not reporting scope three. Yet, this will start to happen. I think there's pressure to report Scope 3. When we do our research, when we're looking at individual companies, that information is not readily available. We have to dig deeper and use external sources to track what companies are doing with regards to their Scope 3 emissions. But let me answer you a question directly. What is Scope 1 of a company? Scope 1, that covers direct emissions from owned or controlled sources. For example, fuel combustion company vehicles. Pretty straightforward. Scope two was also pretty straightforward, but this covers indirect emissions from the generation of purchased energy, whether they're purchasing electricity, steam, heating, and cooling. Pretty straightforward. Scope three. Scope three includes all other indirect emissions that occur in a company's value chain. What does that mean? Well, this is when you have to start to look upstream and downstream. This company, company ABC, where are they buying their goods from? Who's who are their suppliers? How green? What's the, what's the carbon footprint of that company that is providing them with their goods? When it comes to business travel, just think about going forward after COVID, as the now with the, the focus on uh, global emissions, I think business travel is going to be reduced dramatically. Because that's another area that falls within scope three. And that's an area where companies can cut back just to try and help reduce their carbon footprint. Employee commuting, how do we get to work every day? Are we driving our car? Are we trying to use public transportation? Are we conscious about uh, our, our carbon footprint coming to and from work? What are we doing with all the waste that we create at work? You know, what are we doing with this disposal? How are we getting rid of it? More importantly, what are we doing with the use of our sold products? Eugenia, if I sell you a product today, what are you doing with it? How are you going to get rid of it? How did I get it to you? Did it, come by, did it come by train? Did it come by airplane? How did I package it? Is it wrapped in plastic? Is it a cardboard box? How are you disposing of these goods that I send to you? So as you can see, these are just a few that fall into scope three. But altogether, there's about 15 different topics that fall within scope three. That's why there's going to be a lot more pressure going forward for individual companies to be a lot more transparent or at least put more effort into calculating their scope three. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. As I was coming over here today, one of the largest U.S. manufacturers, one of the largest U.S. auto manufacturers, they report scope one and two. But what they found really interesting and things that are out of their control right now until they sort of get a grasp of it, they believe 90% of their carbon emissions come from Scope 3. they suppliers and then upstream and downstream. So there's gonna be a lot of effort and focus going into Scope 3 going forward. So it's a great question that you ask and investors should start to become aware of it.
0: Wow, that sounds like a lot that's cut out for companies, but it's encouraging to hear that many are starting to look into it. So moving from concepts to theory um, and theory to something more relatable for all of us, Are there any books or documentaries that you would recommend to help us better understand what we're dealing with?
1: Absolutely. You know, we've all been stuck in our house for or locked down for many months back in 2020, and there was so much streaming going on, but there's been so much good content coming out with regards to climate change. A couple off the top of my head uh, here in Singapore, which you can certainly go and find on YouTube, Channel News Asia. Channel News Asia Insider they've produced an entire series on the risk of climate change. Those series, those videos are something I would highly recommend uh, people listening today. Give it a watch. Another one of recent grabbing headlines, uh, is Seaspiracy what's going on with overfishing and the concerns and the issues that's going to have on the climate as we continue to move forward, if we don't make some changes. And of course, for me, you know, I could never go wrong with Sir David Attenborough. You know, you watch Our Planet. And what's encouraging about our planet is that David Attenborough goes over certain situations, but the good news is over time, if we commit, we think that the planet can heal itself as well. So those are three just off the top of my head that I would certainly give a have people's tone into.
0: I guess adding on to your list, that's one for me, which is the recent book by Bill Gates, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. I was really reminded of how pretty much every activity in modern life, from the way we get around to the things we make, grow and consume, all of this produces greenhouse gases. And the extent of the challenge to really get to net zero from the current 51 billion tonnes of greenhouse gases added each year. 51 billion tonnes is like a massive number. And if you think about it, while we did emit fewer greenhouse gases last year due to covid and the reduction of economic activity, the reduction was just about five percent, so the equivalent of forty-nine or 40, forty-eight tons, billion tons of carbon, rather than fifty-one billion. And to reach this, we had to deal with the devastating impact of COVID, millions of deaths and people out of work. So while this sounds bleak, I think what I found really encouraging about the book was that it was one of hope and possibility. We already have some of these tools to be able to get to net zero, such as solar and wind, and we need to deploy them faster and smarter. And we are already and working on creating breakthrough technologies that can help us achieve this in a speedier way. So, you know, one really important point that I took away was that no matter um, where we sit in the food chain, you know, whether we're consumers or investors, there's a role that we all can play. And it's heartening that everyone is aligning towards that goal.
1: Eugene, you know what's encouraging? You mentioned Bill Gates, but it's not just Bill Gates. You look at some of the wealthiest people in the world and they are using their wealth to try and make a difference when it comes to climate change. They realize that they can make donations. They realize that their voice carries a lot of weight so, outside of Bill Gates, we see many other of the wealthiest individuals in the world making commitments of their own money to try and reverse what's going on with the climate and make an impact and engage.
0: Yeah, and I guess, you know, from the big philanthropists to, you know, to the youth on the streets that are really growing that awareness of climate change, I think we see that everyone is getting into the action. Everyone needs to play a part in this change. And while transitioning to net zero would require work, it is possible if we all set our minds to this, so let's make it happen together.
1: You're right, because you mentioned the youth, and if I throw out something plastic, my kids are the first one to scold me, so spot on.
0: Indeed. So thanks again, John, for joining our conversation. That's all for this episode of Standard Chartered Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us once again. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.